But Christmas season is upon us, and really um, excited and thankful for this series that we've been doing, Ghosts of Christmas Past. And over the last several weeks, we've been talking about how the holidays and the Christmas season really can magnify the emotions or the feelings that we're going through. Many times that can work out in a good way. It can be a positive thing, right? The traditions that we have, celebrating time with friends and family, all the get-togethers, gift-giving, especially if that's your thing. If you love giving gifts, this is like the Super Bowl of gift-giving, right? If your love language is giving gifts, it doesn't get much better than Christmas time, does it? And so really, this time of year can really amplify all those great feelings that we have, all the good emotions. But we have found that the opposite can also be true, that sometimes the holiday season can really make the negative emotions or the difficult things or the sorrow that we're facing seem even greater. And so what we're talking about is some things of facing some of those things that we go through that aren't always the greatest feelings or things that we go through during the holiday, and especially the Christmas season season. So today we're talking about labels, and labels are all about words, and words are really powerful, and it just seems like they might not be, but words really are a powerful thing. Matter of fact, words have the power to create. They have the power to motivate, to encourage, to shape, and even shape us by the words that are spoken over us. But the opposite is also true. Words have the incredible power to hurt. They can wound us. They can be incredibly discouraging. And matter of fact, they can even destroy or tear things down. You might have heard the saying before that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt, right? That is the most ridiculous thing ever made up in the history of sayings of all time, right? Because it's not true. I mean, words might not physically hurt you, but words can be incredibly wounding. They can be incredibly hurtful. And when words are spoken over us, it can be really hard to hear those things. Matter of fact, Proverbs says this, it encourages that the tongue has the power of life and death. Man, that's a really big deal. I mean, so stick and stones may break my bones, words will never hurt. But man, if words have the power of life, life and death, then words absolutely can hurt us. Words can absolutely cause and inflict serious pain on us. And in this holiday season, that can become even more real. And if you begin to hear something over and over again, you can begin to believe it. I've always been amazed, and I love documentaries, and I love like crime documentaries and seeing, you know, in the depths of them trying to figure out who did it and those sort of things. I've always been amazed, though, by, it, this happens in real life, that they're able to get a confession out of somebody who did not do it. That just blows my mind. I can't imagine sitting in that chair and having it said enough times that you did this, you're guilty, you did it, you did it, you did it. And you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I was with a couple of friends. I wasn't anywhere near it. I don't even know those people. But you hear it over so many times that the person's like, oh yeah, I guess I guess I am guilty. I guess I did kill that person. I mean, like, how does that happen? How does that happen that someone just can believe it? But that happens in our lives that the words that are spoken over us over and over and over again, we can begin to believe it. And I know a lot of times when we're young in those, those years that are so formative that, that many times the words that are spoken of us can have such an incredible impact. And I'm so thankful that when I grew up, I had parents who, who truly did believe in me and they, they did really work to encourage me. And matter of fact, I, I remember growing up, my mom would always encourage me and she would quote these scriptures to me or over me like, you know, I'm having a hard time in school and, you know, struggling with a test. And she would just quote the scripture to me, memory of the just is blessed. Like, you've got this. You can study this. God can bless your memory. You, you can do this or, you know, really struggling with something. And, you know, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And I, I can remember in so much of the scripture that I have memorized today, I really credit to my mom actually just quoting that scripture to us all the time and being encouraging. And even my dad, that he would encourage us and that he would believe 
believe in us. And I, I even remember getting older and, and, you know, towards the end of high school, trying to figure out what I was going to do, the, the encouraging things that he would say to me and encouraging me, like, you got this, you can make the next step, you know, you're going to do great in school and college, I'm proud of you. And I'm so thankful that I had parents who spoke that over me because it would be so much more as an adult, it'd be so much more difficult to do what I do now if I didn't have that. Matter of fact, I, I've worked in student ministry for 15 years, uh, and, and it was really, really difficult to see that obviously everyone grows up in different home situations, and not everyone has a positive experience like that growing up. And it was always really difficult to work with students, and it was so heartbreaking to see that they had a complete opposite experience, that they were told that they were stupid, that they would amount to nothing, that they were a loser, that they were pathetic. And it's just, those labels are so harsh and so hard, and it's really something that shapes us even as adults that many times it's hard to shape those labels that come after us like that. And so I'm thankful that I had the opposite experience, but that's not the experience for everyone. And sadly, some will still struggle in the present because of labels that were picked up in the past. And I don't know if that's your story, your experience anyway, but I I've struggled with that, that sometimes the labels that come our way from the past can really even stick and really cause us to struggle in our current situation. Maybe someone said something bad about you that just wasn't true and it's just changed the way that you feel about yourself and the you, same thing, you heard it over and over again and you, you began to believe it. Or maybe you did something yourself and you feel that you've earned the label. You're like, Brian, I earned this title. No, no one did this to me. No one said this to me. I, I've earned this label. And you feel that regret and that guilt and you just can't seem to shake that label. Or many times the things that you hear on the outside over and over again, you believe, begin to believe it and internalize it and say, man, it's got to be true if that's what they feel about me. And so labels can be really hard things to overcome with. And many times the, the labels that people will put on us, and maybe you'll identify, I know I identify with some of these, people will say that we're lazy or that we're just average. You know that one? You're like, you're nothing really special. You're just kind of average, right? You're just insecure, or you're a hothead. You're always flying off the handle, right? Or you're, you're annoying. You know, you're just, you're just one of those people you just rub everywhere. You're just annoying, right? Maybe you've heard that before. You're an annoying person, or you're just too sensitive. You got to get some thicker skin. You can't let things affect you the way you do. Or how about this one? You're just too much. Whatever it is that you are, you're just too much of that. Maybe you've felt that label before, or maybe you've just been in a bad relationship, and so everyone labels you that you're just going to be a person that causes the bad relationship. Or maybe even the labels in our family, that your family is broken, that your grandparents are broken, your parents are broken, therefore you're going to have a broken family, or that your family is just going to be dysfunctional. Those labels can be so incredibly difficult to deal with. And, and the, really the hard thing, at least for me as I face this and look at myself in the mirror and deal with labels, is the hard thing with labels is that occasionally there might be some truth to the label. I'm like, wow, Brian, really encouraging again this week. But just, just hear this out. But sometimes, you know, I might not be lazy, but it might be, you know, maybe you're not the most made, motivated person in the world. And maybe you're not a hothead, but maybe sometimes you do have a tendency to lose your temper from time to time. But here's the good news with that is what's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. So the labels that you have and the things that, even if there's a little bit of truth that label, even if there's no basis to it whatsoever, that's what's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. The great thing and the good news is God's power is bigger than your past. 
that no matter what you face, no matter what anyone has spoken over you, no matter what you've done yourself, that you think that you've earned that label and that you've got to live under that title or that weight or that guilt, that God's power is bigger than anything that you have done, bigger than any word that has been spoken over you, that God is able to overcome any of those things in your life. And the great thing about a negative label, the great thing about a negative label is that you can actually name it something different. That the label that you have in your life, that you can actually label it something different. I'm going to take a look at a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Jacob. And so Jacob uh, is just going through life, and then all of a sudden he sees this girl, and he's just got to marry this girl. Her name was Rachel, and he's like, I- I've got to marry this girl. Matter of fact, this is what the Bible says about Rachel. This is what the Bible says, right? It says that Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. I mean, when the Bible says you're good looking, I mean, come on, it's like, this is the word of God here, you know, that doesn't lie, right? I mean, it says Rachel was good looking, and so Jacob fell in love with her, and he's like, I've got to marry this girl, right? It's just messed up in his thing. He's like, I just, he just can't think about anything else. You know what I'm talking about? You just head over heels. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, the way you felt about your wife, right? You just, you just gotta, you just, I've just gotta be with this girl. And that's Jacob in this moment. And so Jacob, in that time, you know, in that custom, had to go to her dad and say, hey, can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? And so dad is like, well, yes, but you're gonna have to work for seven years for me as a shepherd. And then, you know, you do that, then I'll let you marry my daughter. And I think he like did the wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing, but here, because here's why. Jacob did the hard work. Seven years. I mean, guys, you think you love a girl and you pursued her? Seven years he worked for this girl's hand in marriage. Ladies, sometimes you set the bar too low. Come on, this guy worked seven years for this girl. You know what I'm saying? That kind of love. At the end of the seven years, he gets to marry the daughter, but there's a little trick in there. It's not the daughter that he was wanting to marry, not Rachel. He gives him his daughter, Leah. I don't even know how this happens, but it happened. He ended up marrying Leah, and, and this is not who he wanted to marry. Matter of fact, the Bible, as it says, Rachel was a lovely figure and beautiful. What the Bible has to say about Leah is that she had weak eyes. I mean, that's really great. I mean, like, talk about labels. She needed eyeglasses? Like, what's going on? I think the Bible is just a, you know, nice way of saying that Leah had a great personality. Just a really harsh thing, and so this is who he ends up marrying, and so he's like, what's, what's the deal? You tricked me. Like, you said I could marry your daughter. He's like, well, I did say you could marry my daughter, but you've got Leah. But, you know, if you're still wanting to marry Rachel, here's the deal. I'll make this easy for you. Seven more years. And so this is exactly what happens. Jacob has to work seven more years to get Rachel. So let's do the math here. I'm not great at math, but I got this one. 14 years. 14 years of having to work to marry this girl. I mean, that's just unbelievable, the commitment and the love that he had for her. I mean, she must have just been something incredible special. And so he worked 14 years to be able to marry, and he did. At the end of the 14 years, it wasn't like, oh, and here's another daughter that you can be. No, he actually held his word this time, and he, um, I think at that time, Jacob probably would have came unhinged, but he did it. He, he married, and then the thing that happened is after they got married, and at this time in this culture, having children was a really big deal. It was a very, very big deal to have children, and so they couldn't conceive, and, and Rachel was really frustrated because, you know, Leah's having kids, everyone else is having kids, and they can't have a baby, and the good news is, is that they finally conceived. They finally had a son, and then they get pregnant a second time, and she's about to give birth another time, and things didn't go so well the second time around for Rachel. And so we can take a look at the story in Genesis 35. It says this, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. 
As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni, but his father named him Benjamin. So here we see this is a very tragic story that the the woman that Jacob loves so much, Rachel, they have one child, they have one son, and then during childbirth and and the second son, she actually loses her life. And so we see that Rachel names her son one thing, but you gotta catch this. The father named the son something else. See, I remember when we had our daughters, we, we never found out when my wife was pregnant what the gender was. And I know that's such a rare thing. We never found out if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And matter of fact, the doctor, like every checkup that we go in for the doctor, the doctor acts surprised like every time. It's like, dude, you've seen us four times. How do you not remember this? But we just never wanted to know. And we actually had to like put notes in there for who was doing like the ultrasound, like do not reveal gender of the baby. Like it was just a really big deal for me to not know what we were going to have. And I know that's, you know, no one does that anymore. But for me, microwave society, instant everything. I just wanted some kind of surprise in life. So my wife honored me in that and we never found out what we were going to have. And apparently we never need to find out what we're going to have because we just have girls. We just make girls. That's all we do. We had four girls. We just make girls. If we were to have any more girl, we just know that's just what we do. We make girls together. And so uh, we never knew what we were going to have. And so that sometimes can be challenging when you're naming the baby, because now when you find out, you know, if it's a boy, you're just working on boy names, girl, you're just working on girl names. But for us, we've got to work both sides of the fence here. So we've got to come up with boys' names and we've got to come up with girl names, right? And so I remember specifically our, our first daughter who just turned 10, when she was born, you know, and it's the first time, and it's a big deal. It's a lot of pressure to name a kid. I don't know if you've been there before. It's like, no pressure. They'll just be called this the rest of their life. Hope they like it. Um, don't give them some weird spelling that no one will ever get the rest of their life. So we're just like, okay, let's not mess this up. We got to do this right. No pressure. And I remember um, when she was born, uh, we, we still didn't know. And we knew at this point, like, it's a girl. So we know, like, okay, boys' names are out. So it's a girl. What are we going to name her? And I remember, we're like, we're just making eyes at each other across the room. We're like, we don't know what our child's name is. Like, we're just, we're still working through some names. I'll never forget it. We're like throwing out names to the doctors and the nurses. Like, we had it narrowed down, but we're like, hey, what do you think of this? And we're like, probably like, oh, first time parents, man. You just don't get this thing, you know. So thankfully, we didn't have to leave with, you know, baby Jane Doe and, you know, whatever. We did come up with a name. And I remember in that moment just holding her and looking at her and I'm like, it's Braylon. This is Braylon. It was just like holding her, looking at her little face. We just just knew that that's what it was. And I remember just, you know, looking at Christy across the room and, you know, she's exhausted, just gave it. I'm like, it's Braylon. That's who it is. That was one of the names that we picked. And because it sounds like Brian, right? And my daughter's Braylon. Someone actually asked us at that time, um, Braylon Edwards, was a linebacker for the Browns, and some family actually asked us if we named our daughter after the Browns line. I was like, yes, exactly. Me from Pittsburgh, that's exactly what we did. We named our, we named our little baby after a linebacker from the Browns. Nope. After that point, it was too late. It was on the birth certificate because I was going to change it, you know, but, you know, whatever. So I remember naming her, and it was just such an amazing thing. And it was so great naming our other girls and just, you know, family names, traditions, all those things. But here's the amazing thing now is that people are getting really, really, really creative with names. And I don't know if you've experienced this yet or seen some birth announcements, some friends or family. And, yeah, some people are using the traditional name, but let's just be honest. My name's Brian. I don't think anyone's been named Brian in the last, you know, since I was born, like three decades 
decades on, you don't see anyone like, here's my little Brian, right? My wife's Christy. No one's like really naming their kid Christy anymore. You don't hear all the positive, you know, the, the, you know, the Johns and the Jennifers and all the names that many of us are accustomed to. No, this generation now is getting incredibly creative and putting us to shame. And so I got some names here that are actually starting to trend in the last couple. Maybe you've heard some of these, but these are really amazing. So we'll start with some of the boy names. And I just like to disclaimer, I'm not making this up, okay? So here's some of the names that people are naming their kids now. So for boys, the first one, and we got a list to put up here on the screen. The first one is Arrow. Arrow, right? Maybe you've heard this one before, Baby Arrow. Pretty cool. That's really creative. I like that. This next one, um, really creative, Bobo. So, you know, you got your little Bobo. You know, little Bo, what's up, Bo? You know, it's pretty cool. I like it because, you know, Bo works really cool as a nickname. Um, this one's pretty sweet, Miggy. Uh, I'm not, you know, you're, you're uh, Miggy. So yeah, there, there's Miggy. Reminds me of Ziggy. Anyone remember Ziggy? You know, the old, like Ziggy's Gift Christmas movie. That was, that was a big deal for me growing up. Uh, I like this next one really. Uh, reminds me of the word turtle, but it's Turgle. So that you've got Turgle there, little Turg. <laughs> that one didn't flow off the tongue, so it was my little Turg, man. What's going on, Turg? Um, anyway, uh, I love this next one. This one's legit. Ready? Blade, right? You just, you can even like say this boy's name, right? And here's our son, Blade, right? I mean, it's just, you know, this kid better be like Chuck Norris coming out of here. He can't be, you know, it's got to be like a man's man coming up in here like, I am Blade, right? I mean, that's just like a serious, talk about a label to live up to. I mean, that's, that's pretty intense, Blade. That's awesome. So creative. And now girls. This is, this is really great, too. We've got some girls' names to take a look at. The first one, Fruity, right? I, if this one, I, I would be singing this, because we're, music's big in our household, and we're always singing. I'd be singing Tutti Fruity to this child the rest of their life. They'd be so sick of it. Tutti Fruity on Rudy. So anyway, Fruity, that's a big one. Uh, next one, really like this one too. Uh, I'm, I struggle with pronunciation, but I'm pretty sure it's like Drishti, like my wife's Christy, but this is Drishti. I know I got in trouble with the pronunciation when I was like starting with doctor, but anyway, um, that's not, and this one, talk about complex with your name. How about this next one, Messiah, right? Talk about giving your daughter a complex, uh, Messiah, so calling your child I mean, tell, and then you got to tell the Messiah no. I mean, it's just going to be a terrible situation for you growing up in your household. Um, and then this last one was really tough because I saw this one. I was trying to figure out how to pronounce this one. I was like, la, ah, la, ah, la, ah. Does anyone actually know how it's pronounced? I do now. It's actually Ladasha. Ladasha. I'm not making this up. This is on some little girl's birth certificate right now. She's Ladasha. That's amazing. Anyone have a Ladasha in their home right now? Anyone name there? That's amazing. So creative to see all of the names that people are naming their kids now. I feel like we weren't anywhere near this creative uh, with our daughters, but it's amazing to see how creative in the labels and the names that we give our kids. And, and so as we take a look at this story with, with Rachel and Jacob, and it's really just zoom in here on Genesis 35, Verses 18, and it says, As Rachel breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni, but his father named him Benjamin. So we see that as she breathes her last breath, her son breathes his first breath. And the amazing thing is that if you really go and look back at what the meaning of that name of Ben-Oni, Ben means son, and Oni means sorrow. And so she names her son, son of my sorrow. And that would be so understandable in that moment because of the grief that she feels. 
that she will never have the opportunity to feed her son, that she'll never be able to comfort him, that she won't be there to see him take his first steps or to see him grow up. And so it's so understandable that she would be grieving and so sad in that moment that she would call him son of my sorrow. But Rachel wasn't the only one grieving in that moment. Can you imagine what Jacob had to be feeling in that moment? The man who worked 14 years in order to have this girl's hand in marriage that he was not only just grieving that, that he was losing his wife. But when she wanted to label their son, son of my sorrow, he said, no, 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 no. That might be true in this moment, but he knew something that it wouldn't be true forever. And so he took and he called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And if you know anything about that, that that means something that is, that it was the hand of power, it was the hand of significance. So it was really a really big deal. So what was true in the moment wouldn't be true forever. And the father took something that was, and he called it something different. And so while it was true in the moment, it wouldn't be true for over. And he said, I, I hear you and I, I know that's what's going on right now, but we're not going to label this boy son of sorrow the rest of his life. We're going to call him something different. And, and it's so amazing to see that Jacob actually had experience with this in his own life, that he was called Jacob, that he was considered a deceiver. But it's actually at one time in the Bible that he wrestled with God. And so God was like, you know, I'm no longer going to call you this. I'm going to give you a blessing. You're no longer going to be Jacob, but I'm going to call you Israel. My God prevails. And so he knew himself what it was to be called something in one moment, but then later he knew that God could change it to something else. Matter of fact, Jacob did this in the Bible in a place, in a location. It was called one thing, but then he changed it to something else. See, while a grieving mom was calling Jacob, son of my sorrow, he was calling him Benjamin, son of my right hand. And what other called a curse, he was willing to call a blessing. And that this can happen in our own lives, that even the things that the enemy meant for harm, even the things that the devil wants to wipe us out and take us out in life, that even those things that are meant for harm, that God will find and use them for good in our life. See, I know this statement to be true, and if you don't catch anything else, catch this today, is you don't get to choose what comes into your life, but you do get to choose what you will call it. See, we can't choose what comes our way. We can't choose the things that happen, good or bad or insignificant. We don't have any control over any of that. We would like to, at least I would like to have control of that. But the truth is we do not have control of what comes into our life, but we can choose what we will call it. See, it may look like son of my sorrow today, but maybe God is saying, no, this is the son of my right hand. And so if there is a label that you have from the past, if there's a label that you think that it's something that I've done, that I've earned this, that I deserve to be called this, or if someone spoke that over you and you began to believe it, that if that label is negative, you can be able to, you are able to call it something else. That God's power is so much bigger than your past. I remember when I, I was growing up, and I know many times the labels that we deal with come from when we're young in our life, and I remember I've shared this a few times growing up as a, a pastor's kid, a PK. I just never felt that I could live up to the standard of, you know, it's like, you're a pastor's kid. You should know all the things, all the answers. You should be really behaved. And honestly, I wasn't really living a Christian life, even though my parents were pastors. I wasn't, you know, terrible heathen going out doing awful things, but I just wasn't living a life for God. And I remember feeling so hypocritical, and I remember that label that I'd begin to put on myself that I just, I can't do this. I, I can't live up to the standard. I don't even know if I can, you know, do this whole God thing and Christian thing. And I, I just began to wear that label that I just was insignificant and I just couldn't be good enough. 
And then I remember that as I was growing up that I always didn't fit in. I know that's probably shocking to you guys, but I just didn't always fit in. I was never part of the in crowd. And I never felt like, you know, I was really good at one thing or, or you know, that I, I really fit with a certain group at school. And I really just struggled. And I really struggled with the label that people would put on me that I was a, a loser. And I felt like an outcast. And I always felt like the odd one out, you know, talking about like the one piece of the puzzle that just doesn't fit. And what do you do with this guy? Like that was me. And so I began to wear that label. And the amazing thing is that even though those things could have wiped me out and had such a profound negative impact on my life, never being able to live up to that standard or feeling that I was such an outcast, that the very labels that people try to put on me or the things that I internalized in myself were the things that God used to get me to the point to do what I do. That the ministry that I do and the things that God had given me these abilities, even though they didn't seem like they fit any place and not being able to live up to a certain standard, that I was just able to surrender myself and saying, you know what, right? God, I am never going to be good enough. I will never be able to live up to that standard. And then finding rest and peace in that because you know why? It's not about me being good enough. It's not about me having all the answers. It's simply surrendering my life and saying, God, you have got this. It's because you are holy. It's because you are righteous. Not because I've done anything. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm always going to be a mess and I'm going to need you. And so I changed that label from being, I'm never enough. And now that label is totally dependent on God. And that's the place that I want to be. And those gifts and feeling that I just struggled with the identity and not feeling like I fit in any certain place. And I didn't really have that strong friend group that I fell into. I felt like I could just connect with everyone and no one all at once. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but that label of being an outcast and not feeling like I had that specific place, that label changed for me because I realized that God shaped me and gifted me to do ministry. And, and so I've seen that label change now that it's not, I'm an outcast, but I'm going to do things differently. And I'm thankful that I can live a life and do things different and never intended to be normal, that God didn't want me to be normal. And so I don't wear that label of outcast anymore. I just run to that label that God has made me different. And I'm, I'm encouraged and strengthened by that. See, if you don't like what you've been called, you can label it, you can name it something different. Maybe in your life, you, you feel that you've had the label of being insecure. Maybe even a little bit like I did of not being able to live up that standard. But instead of insecure, you can change that label to confident in Christ. Maybe you've worn the label lazy and instead of that label, you are motivated by a calling, knowing that God has given you a gift and he's calling you to use it in some way to make an impact and make a difference in someone's life. Maybe you've worn the label of being a miserable person and instead of wearing the label of being miserable, you can run to the label that the joy of the Lord is my strength. See, you are not undependable. You are not a cheater. You are not a loser. You are not a failure. That's not the labels that God intended for you, but the labels that he has for you, that you are forgiven. You are transformed, that you are made new. Hear the words today that you are healed, you are loved, and you are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. That when God came into your life and you said yes to Jesus, all the labels no longer stick. It's like they came off. But God sees you in a totally different way than we see ourselves. And the labels that we feel and the things that people have spoken over us or the things that we've done in our lives, and we begin to internalize those and believe the lie over and over and over again. But God does not hold those labels over your head. Matter of fact, the word says that he has separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. And I believe it's the same thing with the labels that we hold in our lives that when we come to Christ, we can be confident that he has made us a new creation. So you may be going through a tough season this Christmas season. 
You may be going through a difficult time, but you can know that you can be conformed to the image of Christ even when you are going through a difficult season. You might feel so alone right now. Loneliness is something that is so real to so many people during the holiday season. But you can know that you can draw close to Christ and you can find your strength in him. See, we might wear the label and you might feel like a failure. You might feel like a failure, but instead of feeling like a failure, you can see that you have learned so much. And instead of seeing it as a failure, you can see it as an opportunity to say, you know what? I may have messed it up, but I've got an opportunity to learn and grow from this and move on. See, as we said, you don't get to choose what comes into your life, but you absolutely get to choose what you will name it. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. God, that you don't see us as others see us, and you don't even see us the way that we look at our own selves. God, I just pray for those of us today that struggle with labels, negative labels from our past, maybe something that someone has spoken over us so many times, and even though we know deep down it's not true, we just begin to believe it. God, I just pray that you would break that label off them and help them to rename it something different. God, I pray for those who may be struggling with something that they feel that they've done themselves, maybe something that they regret or feel guilty about, and they feel that they've earned that label, that they deserve it. God, that they would know today that that is not the way that you see them. And God, they would begin to change that name, change that label to something else. God, I thank you that you love us and that you care for us. And God, though we can't control what comes into our life, we absolutely can control what we will name it. I'm so thankful for the reminder that you gave us in this story with Jacob, that even though Rachel, in her last breaths, understandably gave their son such a negative name because she was going through so much pain, and Jacob said, no, 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 that might be true in this moment, but that's not going to be true down the road. And he changed his name. That the same thing is true in our life. The sorrow, the disappointment, the pain, the regret, whatever it is that we feel might have been true in that moment. But just like Jacob, you're like, no, no, no. That's not who you are. This is who you are. God, we thank you.